Back to Box Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic pop culture analysis roundtable with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Wayne and Hannah. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's all fine. We have been spending the last 40 minutes dealing with technical difficulties. I hope this recording works. So I guess if you're listening to it, it did work. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just sort of burned out all the snappy patter that we would normally start the show with because <laughs> this is what we're dealing with. <laughs> um, this was supposed to be a show with all four co-hosts, but uh, Katya got sick at the last minute. So the part of Katya tonight will be played by Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Hi there. Welcome back. It's good to be back. I considered not saying it and just introducing you as Katya and just, you know, maybe no one will notice. <laughs> just make you do that the entire show. <laughs> just just guessing. Uh, I mean, Katya and Josh do share some opinions about some of the things I thought Katya might talk okay, good about. Enough. So. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> what are we? I speak yeah. for her in all things. <laughs> what are we? T- what are, uh, I'm. I take no responsibility for any of that. This is on you. <laughs> Uh, quarantine silliness. Anyway, yes. uh, Hannah, your topic this week. What are we doing? Things in pop culture we are still not over. Because what what time is it really <laughs> but a time to like sit and reflect and be angry about petty things? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be cathartic, if nothing else. A time to learn. A time. I- <laughs> I've been I've been complaining about some things for a year. And I'm still some things. What some things? What pray tell things might even. <laughs> <laughs> It's the one year anniversary of the Game of Thrones finale. Yes. And I, I even know the Game of Thrones finale is bad. And we talked about how it was bad on our finale episode. I don't really care about that. I don't really care about Game of Thrones, except for Jamie and Brienne and how they fucked it up. And, uh, you know, you can bleep that out. But um, <laughs> I feel very strongly. You gave, you, gave up, you gave up not swearing on the show like weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It's quarantine. <laughs> Nothing matters anymore. I know. <laughs> like it's quarantine and you quarantine? graduated and it's just like and like all of a sudden she was a sailor. It was weird. I don't right? know. <laughs> I graduated, yes, but not really. And I I don't know. Our, 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 list, our, our listeners are just listening to the slow unraveling of our psyches as time goes by. <laughs> and, and, I'm really afraid that might be the case. And in that way we're just like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But and you know we didn't really start that high on the bar to begin. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so so these are these are things we're not over. Is the is you know or actually I guess you titled it things we still aren't over. So yeah. so as you explained this to to me offline, it's not necessarily all bad things. You said you have some category. Right. Yeah, how's this work? I- I have four categories, so we're not just listing things. Um, Though I guess there'll be four categories of us listing things. Um, (laughs) So, category one. (laughs) They were our childhood that traumatized us. Okay. Category two. Very heartbreaking, but, like, well-written moments. Okay. Uh, Category number three. Terrible moments caused by behind-the-scenes limitations. So, like, uh, famously, Grey's Anatomy killed off its leading man because Patrick Dempsey wanted to leave the show. Right. Uh, Fill in the blanks for many other television shows. And then category four, which is really, you know, where I'll lose it, 
uh, these creative choices were bad and the creator should feel bad. Okay. So, <laughs> so, I was, so I, I was going through them, you know, when you, when you gave those to us and like, I, I agree with them. I think that the, the childhood trauma slash heartbreaking category sort of bleed into each other back and forth for me. Um, and then the, the other category that I, that I thought of that, like, I don't know if it's, I mean, I guess it's sort of a subset of bad creative choices, but when I was going through and making my notes, I, I added a category of just dumb. <laughs> like that, that was my my fifth magic. And it might not be a real category. It might just be, you know, part of the bad creative choices. Um, but it was ones where I was like, I'm I'm not offended. This is just dumb. Just dumb. <laughs> I have, I, I have I, one I, specific I, I, example when we get to that, you'll see why. I, I think part of the distinction there is emotional attachment to something. Yeah. If it's, not, if it's something you're not emotionally attached to, it's just dumb. If it's something you're emotionally attached to, I'm not even uh, sure. Well, when we, that, when we get that, to that, that example, that I'm not even sure. I have, I have a very specific yeah. one where, you yeah, know, I had yeah, some I, emotional attachment and then I was just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why are we doing this? So, so, our, our, so we're talking list. And since it's this show, you know, we don't really do just pure lists. So I guess we'll do some of a little bit of analysis of why, because I'm, I'm curious why people get attached to these sorts of things. You know, if, if you've listened to the show before and, you, you know, or maybe the last two minutes of it where she was sort of hinting at Game of Thrones, you could you could see that, you know, Hannah has some hinting. amount of attachment to this sort of thing. It doesn't make any sense, though. I don't, I don't care. And then I cared. And I guess we can get into well, yeah. well, and uh, I, I guess this is, I think this, you're talking about the, the childhood thing. That, that goes, you know, that, that internet cliche of, oh my God, this ruined my childhood. You know, when somebody, something new comes out, you, the, the, the new Star Wars film ruined my childhood. And like, well, did it really? Um, well, your, child, your, your childhood was kind of tenuous at best, if that's it, the case. Yeah, <laughs> if, that's, if that's all you had. Uh, <laughs> no, no, then should, maybe it's not Star Wars, yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> so we'd probably begin with um, the things in childhood that destroyed us, because uh, when we asked our listeners for uh, what destroyed them. One answer uh, came up a bunch, yes. Yeah, the Black Plague, because I'm really old. Uh, uh, the, the never-ending story was... Artax. Yes, so Artax was already on my list. A couple people mentioned it, and it should be on your list. And then when we were talking about it again behind the scenes, Hannah was like, what's an Artax? And I was like, you're dead to me. <laughs> and and you said you'd never... So it's Artax is the horse from, from Never Ending Story, which you said you hadn't seen until when? Uh, Josh, what, when, how long ago was it when you made me watch Never Ending Story? Five years ago. Okay, Josh, you're a good man. <laughs> Hannah's a monster. I, I, <laughs> how do you not watch Never Ending Story growing up? I don't understand. Or <laughs> story two or three. I've never yeah. seen him, and that, I guess, is on you now. Um, Others are not as... Not as good. Yeah, the others are not as good. I, I can forgive. I can see. All the going, returns. Yeah, I can, I can see going two, three. I, I don't care. But but number one, this is like, a, you know, assuming now Wayne is slightly forgiven in that he was older when it came out. But you've and gone I, back I and seen it, it since then, you, right? You yeah, okay. do realize that children's consumption of entertainment is somewhat dictated by their yeah. parents. Yeah. So this one's not super on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I was probably too old to go see it in the theater when I went to go see it in the theater. And, you know, like, I remember liking it as a movie and I don't remember giving it much thought since. Okay. So this is because Hannah said things that destroyed me and then and then people, you know, people put that down and and basically never any story 
It's a wonderful fantasy drama for children. And then right in the middle of it, and it's not the end, you know, one of your heroes is uh, right in the middle of it. Atreyu is walking his horse. You know, he and his horse have to cross. The, is it, Josh, I think it's called the Swamp of Despair. Is that what it's called? Or is that Princess Bride? That's, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that might be Princess Bride. But basically, they're crossing this swamp. And the swamp is magical and it makes you sad. So you have to keep moving, get across the entire swamp before you get too sad and you just drown in the swamp. And the horse gets sad and just stops. Fight, fight the sad sartex. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give and up. Atreus like, just like begs the horse. You know, the horse is his best friend. He begs his horse to just keep going, just keep hope alive. And the horse is sad. So the horse just stands there and allows himself to sink into the swamp and die. It is the most tragic horrific thing that scars you for life as a child and you know there's no good reason for it i mean the reason for it is to is to is to you know make you feel stakes for the for the film but it's just it's devastating it's emotionally devastating to this day this is why you should ride across the desert on a horse with no name (laughs) (laughs) good horse (laughs) well I, I think that like all Swamp of Sadness, by the Thank way, um, which is basically the same. Yes. Um, but I mean, like, isn't like this like all where all childhood traumas from like movies, like Bambi's mom, not all, but a lot of like, I mean, that's like a parent slash animal mm-hmm. thing. Like Mufasa, I think was the big one for my generation. Mm-hmm. But but what about like, you know, reading a book like Where the Red Fern Grows yes. and it's just, you know, a nice yep. story about a boy and his dogs. And, 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 and just for some some strange background on Little Wayne, I grew up in a in a in the country as we've established before. But the, the whole coon hounds, coon one dogs, horse town. Yeah, my yes, and the horse is now dead. Um, <laughs> no, but my my dad raised hunting dogs. Uh, we, we race them instead of hunt them. But I have I have gone out coon hunting in the middle of the night. So where the red fern grows is almost autobiographical for me in many, many ways. Um, except, you know, we, I never had to kill the dogs. <laughs> I, I, I remember specifically sitting in class during silent reading time and getting to the end of this book, which I had not been exposed to the dog dies trope yet. And this was my like initiation. And then I like, I get to it and like, you know, the, do- the dogs die within um, a couple of days of each other. And I just remember sobbing and like trying to stay quiet and there was no Kleenex and my, you know, like it was ugly crying with like snot and stuff. And I, I just, you know, bathroom <laughs> passes were hard to come by. Um, I've, I've never read where the red, where the red fern grows, but I did read bridge to Terabithia. Oh God. <laughs> oh, well that, and that's where we crossed into uh, <laughs> human territory. Yeah. yeah. Or my girl, the movie with um, Macaulay Culkin and who dies suddenly for no, like oh it's a it's a lovely movie about the first love between two I think they're like nine or ten they're not it's not like a physical love but it's just a it's a nice little coming of age story where you know a couple of ten year olds grow a friendship and then um, all of a sudden a bee stings one kid and you know one of the kids and it dies and it's like what <laughs> it's just like and and the and the moral of the story is sometimes people die and there's nothing you can do about it and then you go on for the rest of your life without your best friend. The end. Which, which is an important lesson, but a tough one. Which is also yeah. like the uh, bridge to Terabithia moral, really. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, it is. Except like he, you know, um, 
the kid whose name I forget, the main character. Um, Atreyu? No. Um, no. Where's his hair? Who cares? <laughs> he goes on, like, he, he, like, leaves Leslie to, like, go to, like, Terabithia by herself. So he feels responsible for her death. Mm-hmm. Because he goes so, on, a, like, he goes on, like, a, a, on a field trip or something. Like, Jess. With his, like, in the Je- last, Jess is his like, name. I watched the, yeah, with, with like, his teacher, uh, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in the, in the movie, um, that was with Anna Sophia Robin, Josh, Josh Hutcherson, that, like, was adapted. Like, he goes, like, with his teacher, he has a crush on to, like, um, on a special field trip. And they, and his family originally thinks he's dead because he's not where he's supposed to be. It's really heartbreaking. Uh, I'm now just, like, narrating all these horrible moments that I've uh, tried to suppress. Scarred you as a but, child. Like, but, you know, hey, I mean, like, we're all gonna ugly cry before this is over, aren't we? There's gonna yeah. be snot and everything. Well, I'm gl- I mean, Hannah picked the order so that the annoying ones are at the end, so we'll get over it. <laughs> um, but you know, like, is it a good thing that we read all these, like, really dark books in our childhood and watched art tax stuff? <laughs> um, me, me in my 20s. Um, everyone else in their age. I mean, like, I guess it, if it makes you it makes you stronger, so that when people die for real, you don't care because they're at least they're not a horse yeah. drowning <laughs> of its feelings in the swamp of sadness. I don't yeah. <laughs> my my high school slash middle school, somewhere around seventh or eighth grade, they gathered us all together in the auditorium for a movie day and showed us the movie of Where the Red Fern Grows. And I hadn't read the book. Oh, no. I hadn't read the book at that point. And you know, we had coon dogs at home. That was a bad day. <laughs> that was, <laughs> It was a bad day because it's hard to ugly cry when you're when you're an eighth grade boy without, you know, getting beat up in the bathroom after. <laughs> I'll um, give you something to cry about. But, you know, Pixar has mastered this like crying thing. Mm-hmm. I, oh, first 10 minutes of all. Just, yeah, that's sorry, gonna... just destroys everyone. Which mm-hmm. is in the heartbreaking but good category, not the childhood yeah, category. Right. For yeah. all oh, never yeah. story, never ending story is good. And to be fair, so for anybody, I mean, spoilers for never ending story, a movie that's 40 years old. Yeah, but it's but, too but, late. But, but like, of course, it's better. Like, so, so you know, there, yeah, the, the, everything does get better in never ending story. So that's something. But, but it was traumatic. Um, one of the it does one- not get better in where the red fern grows or no, no, right? No, one of the ones that came up when when I was asking people about this a couple of times, and it, and it wasn't really one for me, but I guess for children of the eighties like myself, the seventies and eighties, um, some people brought up the death of Optimus Prime in the in the Transformers cartoon, um, which. Or actually in several of the audio Autobots, because like you've been watching and I get this one. It, it didn't really affect me that much because, you know, I, I'd already seen Never Ending Story. So my, you know, my heart was made of stone by then. But uh, but, you know, if you're a big fan of those of those cartoons and you've been watching them for like five seasons, four or five seasons. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to make this movie and make a movie. And they kill off half the cast in like the opening scene. And then like later, the you know, the main character, Optimus Prime, halfway through the movie, they're just like, oh, yeah, he's dead. You just, <laughs> just and like so everyone, you know, and love is dead now. So, you know, you have to buy new toys is what it, what was really was going on. It was like, I mean, they yeah, they were killing off all the all the classic toys so that you had to buy the new ones. But it is an I can see how if you're emotionally attached to that to that franchise, it's an emotional scene because everybody gathers around Prime and he dies and then he turns gray and it's weird, <laughs> but didn't affect me. Um, I have a non-death one we've mentioned on the show before, but Wayne, this you'll probably agree um, just because it changed my outlook on everything. But first time I read Judas Contract, um, because that was it's a comic book. And we've talked about that on a previous episode. Um, so I don't want to go into it. We, our Irredeemable Characters episode number 80. 
But since that comes out of the blue, well, it's not out of the blue. Um, cause I've gone back, I was, I was rereading it again, actually like two weeks ago for, uh, for work for a dissertation, but going back and reading it now that I know that she's a bad guy, it's telegraphed pretty well, like con- consistently. You're like, oh, okay, she's doing that because she's bad. Oh, okay, she's doing that. But when you're reading it in real time, that first time, it's just like, this person you love is evil. Deal with it. <laughs> and you keep waiting for her to get redeemed. And she doesn't because she's evil. She doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And that, like, I didn't and, know how to and, process and, that and, as a kid. And she just, and she just dies. Yeah, <laughs> because she doesn't want to be redeemed. Yeah, I didn't know how to process that as a kid. I was yeah. just like, I no, but people get better because they see the light. That's how it's supposed yeah. to work. And, <laughs> nope. Well, and, and the same thing, you know, the, the age difference thing. And while we're on the comics thing, I wasn't really a kid at this point, but I was certainly younger. But you back, this might be hard to believe for anybody who has started reading comics in the last 30 years. But it used to be when characters died, they stayed dead and it meant something. Um, it, it's been a long time since that's been true, but and the first great betrayal of that for me was Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Because in reading the original Death of Phoenix story, um, that was a gut punch at the time. Because we'd spent 30-some issues getting you know, engaged with these characters, engaged with these stories. And and they killed her. And it was a, it meant something. It, it was That was important. That was a huge, huge change in the way comics were done at that time. And then four years later, they brought her back, and I've never been able to accept it. Uh, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, Jean Grey is dead on the moon in 1979, and I don't know who these fucking imposters have been for the last 40 years. Um, that was probably uh, discussed either more either on our last episode or our next episode, depending yeah, on that. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, and that's, we're going to go into that more. And But tying into one of the other categories, that was something where there was background, you know, quote unquote, editorial interference, which we'll probably mm-hmm. get into on the next show as well, mm-hmm. um, where they originally planned on just fixing her. And Jim Shooter, the editor, is like, she blew up an entire planet of people. There have, has to be consequences for that. And <laughs> so they, they rewrote the end of the story where she died. And that was the best decision in terms of emotional resonance at the time. But there have been many, many gene imposters since then. So. Josh, do you have another one or just the, the um, Terabithia? Still getting over our tax over here. <laughs> um, yeah. but since, since we're transitioning to not our childhood, uh, I have two words for you, Josh. Don't. Bing bong. No. Oh, really? Bing bong. See? This is the one I thought you were going to call Bing bong. Bing bong. <laughs> Josh did not get over Bing Bong's death on in, in Inside Out, uh, the piece of Pixar movie. Um, in fact, uh, there was a time when I could say Bing Bong and he would start like crying on cue. See, I a real dark time. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I mean Hannah, you mentioned briefly um, a few moments ago that you said Pixar is good at this. I mean, obviously there's up for me. I mean, their most recent film, Onward. Onward is just such a gut punch oh. of a movie. Yeah, it's really like, joyful throughout most of it. And then the end, which, spoiler alert, um, you think that the movie is about um, the main character meeting his father for the first time because his father died before he was born. Actually, the movie is about the fact that even though he didn't have a father, his brother has always been there for him for his big moments. His brother's only like two years older than him. It's not like his brother raised him. His brother is a slightly older brother who remembers his dad, but only barely. I think he's like maybe three years old. Yeah, but like it's... He's a toddler. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not like he he has a teenager, but he like he had someone who was there to play catch with him. He had someone who he could share memories with. And he looked up to his older brother and his brother pushed him to be better. Um, And 
it just I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I won't say more about the resolution. I was not expecting yeah. it at all. But I thought it was better than a lot of like um Toy Story Four is the second most recent Pixar movie. And I thought that that was just extremely emotionally manipulative. Um like they I think that they just tore Woody and Buzz apart for like no good reason. Mm-hmm. Um it didn't make sense to me as a storyline. Josh is also shaking his head. Um I actually sat in the theater and cried. Actually I think I've told this story. I sat through the theater and cried through the credits. We had to leave. I was sobbing outside the theater. We like like moved like by some security and I made I had to make sure that I was like, I'm crying over Toy Story Four. My boyfriend's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um But like all real well done. But I think that the reason why like so many Pixar movies uh and I guess some of these other stories resonate is because we've gone yeah, through yeah. some of these moments ourselves. Um sure. also like maybe parents should stop worrying about what their kids are like reading and watching because like everything they keep handing yeah. them is just well, I, I guess something I, I hadn't thought of I recommended I've been doing graphic novel recommendations oh, on God. Facebook okay yeah, just yeah. let me just emotionally preparing myself for what you're about to mention okay Go ahead. yeah and I, I recommended this yesterday not realizing I was doing it on Mother's Day um, oh God yeah you did oh jeez yeah, what the hell you only, thinking only later did that cross my mind uh, and, and let me let me you preface this by saying my my mother my 97 year old mother right now is uh been in the hospital and her health has not been good the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. so i've had a stressful couple of weeks for reasons other than the quarantine mm-hmm. uh, for the for the most part things are fine but she's 97 she's 97 um, and that's always going to be an issue yeah exactly right um so i i recommended the graphic novel i kill giants um which is wonderful if if you haven't read it please do prepare mm-hmm. yourself uh it's it's a tough read it's about mm-hmm. grief and loss and uh and uh, it's heartrending. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's really good, but I, it just destroys me every time. And I say every time. I have obviously reread it, knowing it's going to destroy me. Yeah, I've read it. I've read it a couple of times. I've taught it in a class. Um, if I remember, I'll link in the show notes to the time we were. On, I was on the protagonist podcast with our our friend Joe Dorowski talking about this book. It is an emotional just punch to the gut of you know. If you're a person who has a mother that you've loved at any point, which probably most of us, not all of us, um, it will tear you apart. It is just the I I mean, I guess it's emotionally manipulative in that all good fiction is. But I don't mean that in a bad way. The way this handled about Toy Story. This was this was just a, you know, uh, in some ways it's you, you think of it as just this coming of age story, this goofy you know, for the first half of it, it's this goofy story about a nerdy girl who's too into Dungeons and Dragons. And then you realize there's more to it behind that. And it's about, I mean, I guess spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. The giant's a metaphor. Yeah, it's a metaphor. And she's losing her mother. And it's I mean, it is heart rending. And then um, Wayne, I, I mean, you'll it's sort of to think about it. It's as the opposite of Onward, where Onward is about this, you know, this young boy who I mean uh, an older brother stepping up and just sort of discovering that wow my brother really did try to fill in for my dad and I kill giants um as I've read it successive times every time I read it I feel more and more for her older sister who Mm -hmm. is just um the story there is um the there's an older sister who to uh, to the main character she hates her you know she's like oh god she's such a pain in my ass but then you realize that it's really just this girl who's not an adult she's like 18 and she's you know while their mom is in hospice 
she's essentially raising her old 16 year old and her her 16 year old brother and her 12 year old sister like she's doing the best she can but she's only barely an adult you know and it's and 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 you have to pick all that out through subtext and it's just it, it is such a great family yeah. story it is an emotional yeah. and, and this, punch, this certainly doesn't Jesus. fall in the category of of things we're not over or things we hate because i i love this book but if mm-hmm. we're talking about just emotionally wrecking you this is a good choice. Yeah, well, I don't think I, I don't think we have to hate it. Do we have? Do no, we have it? No, we're just not over no. it. We're still emotionally affected. Yeah, by it. yeah, yeah, and and, and that's that's definitely one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I recommended it yesterday. I I have given my current circumstances. I have no intention of rereading it for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Josh, you you said that your favorite one of your favorite books falls under like the category of like heartbreaking but good, right? Yeah. Sure. Which one are we talking about? The Invisible Bridge. You know, his your favorite book. Do you remember it? Do you remember it? <laughs> oh, um, so I guess it's like a building's roman of this like young Hungarian Jewish student mm-hmm. who goes to Paris for architecture school. And like it's about him learning to be an architect. He falls in love. Then World War II happens and he has to go back to Hungary and is living in Budapest. And then he ends up in like the concentration camp. And it's 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 just a wild ride of stuff that just happens to him. And it's just seems like it can never get any better. And then things kind of work out, and then communism does, happens. You know. <laughs> the iron, the iron curtain falls. Yeah, and and the novel takes place over like I had, I had to do the math after I finished it because it takes place over like fifteen years or something. Uh, and you realize like this this guy started out as like eighteen at the, the first chapter. By the end of it, he's like mm-hmm. in his late thirties or something, and he's like restarting his career. He's like trying to go be an architect again, but he's just starting over from scratch. And uh, in, in like kind of early middle age, and it's it's just it's just a real mm-hmm. gut punch of a novel because of all the stuff that happens in it. But really good, great prose. So, is it the end that he has to start all over? That's a, the biggest. Yeah, there's like a time jump at the very end, like an epilogue. Um, and then you have to like do the math to realize how much time has actually passed. Uh, but it's just, it's it's a great story because it's like an Eastern European World War II story that you don't often. S- see that much and hungry had just, hungry just has such a fascinating history in world war ii because it was it was uh sort of allied with the axis powers but had its own fascinating internal politics um so it's, it's just a, it's just a really interesting story but the first half takes place in paris the second half takes place in, in hungary and did you have one i mean i feel like most of what i read is heartbreaking but good because <laughs> i read 19th century the very novels. much the sympathy um, the age of um i mean of, like um uh, melodrama I mean, I I could like sit here and list off a bunch of books about sympathy mm-hmm. and the Victorian novel specifically, um, like Audrey Jaffe's Scenes of Sympathy. Um, for instance, if if you are a Victorianist and feel like, or or you feel like reading about what people have to say about sympathy in the 19th century, but I mean, like you get you can think about Dickens's like orphans. Um, and all of his um, like portrayals of the working class, or you can think about Thomas Hardy and even like his quote unquote romantic comedy, Far from the Matting Crowd. Like it's just so sad, and I think the reason why Hardy's novels are sadder than a lot of other Victorian fiction is like I I, I think it's like the New Little Women movie where there's a line that says, um, you know, at the end of a story, a woman has to either end up married or dead, and that's not one hundred percent true, but like it it could like very clearly um, talk about nineteenth century fiction. Um, and like a lot of, you know, novels had a very strict moral code for reasons, including censorship and wanting to sell and just Victorian morality. Um, 
But like Hardy like seems to understand more than some of the other writers at the time, like say Anthony Trollope, that, you know, people like are trapped in a very strict like uh, world, like uh, the real world was changing. Even if it wasn't changing, the system was never good to begin with. And all these like material like factors like affect how people live their lives. And so like even if a woman dies because she had premarital sex and was pregnant, um, as one does when one is a woman and has premarital sex in a Victorian <laughs> novel. It's not because she's a bad person. It's because society has failed her. Um, so, you know, if you want to be depressed in quarantine, I guess read Thomas Hardy is what I'm saying. Um, do not, but- <laughs> do not do that. Do not do that. Uh, funny story. Josh didn't know the plot of Jane Eyre one time, and so I told him. And he said, that's not real. And then I said, yes, it is. And then I told him, like, the plots of, like, four more Victorian novels. And he said, why can't you read a normal author like Thomas Hardy? And then stopped, thought about it, and said, never mind. <laughs> my, my high school honors English class, my senior year, uh, required us to write a, a comparative analysis mm-hmm. paper. And we each, we were each assigned to, like, a British author. And so I got Thomas Hardy and had to read The Mayor of Casterbridge and Jude the Obscure. Which are like his saddest novels. Yeah. Um, so maybe Tess. So that was a that was a fine trip for us for that semester. <laughs> Just reading two very <laughs> sad novels and then writing a paper about them and comparing the ways in which they were sad. But I think that but the, they're, they're really good. They have interesting yeah, but, politics, economics, and stuff. But I think that like all the things we've listed in this category are good because they're like about something. They're not like like let's just kill off someone because we can or do this thing. It's like there are factors in the world that we should think about. And uh, the writers, I think, I think that we've all described here deeply about social mm-hmm. situations and like nuance. Um, I've got one more where nobody dies. <laughs> oh, well, this is good. Cause <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of death yeah, going still, on. still still in the same category. And this is um, and this this one's weird. because I, I This is where I said I, I wasn't sure whether to go between childhood trauma or, you know, heartwarming. And I, I ended up landing on heartwarming for this one, even though it came out when I was a kid. Do you mean and heartbreaking or heartwarming? It's both. Okay. <laughs> um, so, and this is a movie that I'm, I'm betting nobody else has seen other than me. Um, but maybe, and, and if, if, if you haven't seen it, you should make sure you have a complete box of Kleenex and just someone to hug at the end. It's very important. <laughs> um, um, it's a 1982 film called Savannah Smiles. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Savannah Smiles is um, the story of a little girl. I want to say she's six or seven. She's got relatively wealthy parents. They, you know, but she always feels ignored by them. And like, um, like she just, she's, you know, she's, she's just a lonely little girl. And one day um, she decides to run away, but um, in and she's found by a couple of, you know, just ex-cons of, you know, a couple of ne'er-do-wells who find her and, and realize who she is and realize she's our way to riches. So they decide to like they didn't intentionally kidnap her. She just shows up. Right. So they when they find out she's missing, they say we're kidnappers. You know, we want, you know, you know, pay us a million dollars or whatever. You'll never see this girl again. And um, like over the next movie's not long, it's probably two hours long. Um, But over the series of event of of adventures that they're with, um, 
they just fall in love with her. So um, like the people are like trying to get her back and everything. And she doesn't want to go home. She never wanted to go home because she um, because she hated being with her parents. And she just like falls in love with these two guys who, you know, they take really good care of her and um, they buy her a puppy <laughs> and, 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 it, and they, you know, they laugh and joke. And it's just a cute little kids movie. And at the end, um, at the end, one of the, one of the criminals just decides, I don't, you know, he loves her too much. He can't make it about the money. So he basically calls, um, he calls her mother and says, we just, we just want to give her back. Meet her, you know, meet us here so we can turn, so we can turn over, turn her over. And, um, the girl's grandfather doesn't trust them. So he brings the cops. He's like, no cops in anything. We just want to give the girl back unharmed. So they show up and the, the grandfather brought the cops along and, and, um, they see that the cops are there and they essentially go, um, Savannah, it's time to go back home to your parents. And Savannah doesn't want to go. She's like, no, but I love it. I want, I love you guys. I want to stay with you guys. And he's like, no, no, it's important. So they basically walk her over and give her back to the parents, knowing that they will be arrested for, for kidnapping and go back and go away for a long time just because they loved her so much and they know she needs to be with her family. And that's the end of the movie. It is heartbreaking. It is, it is so like there's because like, they they essentially uh, other than the fact that they get greedy and they try to get some money out of it in which they later think better of, you know, like they've done nothing wrong. They get her on accident and they take great care of her. And she's miserable before that because, you know, uh, because basically she's, you know, a neglected child. And it's just so emotionally devastating, especially when you get to that last scene and she doesn't want to go and they know it's best for her to go back home. <laughs> and nobody dies. They just go to jail. They get captured. Yeah. They go to jail. It's so this, sad. This is like another trope of like, I, I kind of hand out with Toy Story 4, mm -hmm. um, which is like Woody and Buzz are separated. But like, even when it's done well, like how to train your dragon three dragons go away mm -hmm. <laughs> or like, you know, sometimes sometimes like for whatever reason people can't ice age people can't stay together you know mm -hmm. and it it's just not good i don't like it i don't why can't everybody be friends and um i i didn't handle so i watched new girl um while we um have been in quarantine and um as everyone knows who listens to this show because we keep talking about it, um we've graduated so like a bunch of like people are moving away and we can't even say goodbye properly because quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's like a point where like coach moves out of the loft to go to New York and, you know, they're in California. And I cried way harder about that than I really should have. <laughs> um, yeah. So now you want to complain about yeah, some so. in order to make ourselves feel better. We're going to be mean to some movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, for like, I guess the transitionary category is, uh, things that, um, happen behind the scenes that the creators couldn't necessarily control. Oh, like all the minors sat here for, for most of mine are sat here. Um, for instance, um, and I do not mean this as a joke. I'm deep. Well, he was kind of a dick. Charles Dickens died in the middle of writing his like oh, final cool. novel. Um, the mystery of Edwin, Edwin Drood, and I don't know the end, and it really, really bothers me. Like, I had to read it in my list, and I just want to know the end of the mystery. <laughs> okay, well, that's, I mean, that's, at least that's not, I mean, I guess it's sad in that, like, you know, a, a man died, but he'd be dead by now anyway, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah, but he couldn't have finished his book. Yeah. Again, he was a real piece of work. Like, he tried to put his wife in, like, an insane asylum because he was tired of her. Like, yeah. don't feel bad for Charles Dickens. No. 
Well, my um, mine are, well, I'll I'll save the I'll save the non death ones, but I'll just mention my two death ones um, real quick because one I thought was done really well, and one I thought was done really poorly. Um, and I know this is one. Well, probably some people will disagree with me on which one's which, but the two that I were thinking of were um, actually there's lots of them, but two in particular that stand out to me are Paul Walker dying during the filming of Furious Seven and Carrie Fisher dying just prior to the filming of Rise of Skywalker, um, thus screwing over both of the films that they were supposed to be in. There's also like Bruce Lee dies during the movie, Brandon Lee dies during the movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of them, but Paul Walker, I actually thought. Um, not that the Fast and Furious are high cinema or anything like that, but given what they had to work with, I feel like the send off to Paul Walker's character in that film is very tastefully and very emotionally done. Um, whereas my problem with, with Carrie Fisher, because those movies mean far more to me than the Fast and the Furious movies do, do I, I, I just... I found the entire thing in Rise of Skywalker concerning her. I mean, there's nothing they can do. She was dead. But just every scene that she was in, I was just so painfully aware that it was, you know, she was CGI'd in from from prior footage. And it seemed awkward and weird to me. So I hated it because it just reminded me that she died the entire time as opposed to Paul Walker, where I felt like, yeah, they did their best. You know, you can, there's points where you can tell that that's not Paul Walker. That's his brother, because that's who they they cast his brother to just like do fill in stand scenes for him. And then they paste Paul Walker's face over him. And it's kind of eh. but like at least it's sort of it's sort of worked with the story. He also had filmed far more of it than Carrie Fisher had of, of, of Rise of Skywalker. So well, she didn't film any of it. She that's old. She filmed stuff from other. Yeah, yeah. she filmed stuff for other films that uh, she also like I will say I've rewatched Rise of Skywalker more times than maybe I should have in theaters. And like there are some lines that are terribly awkward and they should have just not used mm-hmm. it. Um, but I mean, honestly, like I would rather have had her in the movie like sure. Completing like her like the Jedi training of Ray, um, and and doing like some stuff and like um then then not um yeah. There's no good way around it. They had written you know they had they had written themselves into the corner of we're gonna have the Han movie then the Luke movie and, the and then like it just she's the one who died and there I mean I don't think they had a solution and plus given that they killed off the other two so they couldn't really I mean they did but you know they it, they were limited by the way that you know life had progressed which I guess is the point of this category and I mean there there's a like a long list of names of like people who've left I feel like I need to mention this because even though I don't care about the show anymore Grey's Anatomy like mm-hmm. so many people have left the show and it seems like uh some of them like I guess they kind of came to the conclusion like Patrick Dempsey it was time for him to go and it wasn't like a sudden like disappearance they filmed in Indian but like recently the character Alex Karev left um and he left his current wife Joe for Izzy which was Catherine Heigl who left like many 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 years ago and it was a terrible ending and that's about when I stopped watching the show and it was like I mean it was like 13 seasons ago like it ruined his character yeah I I watched the first season of Grey's Anatomy and my two favorite characters were Catherine Heigl and George and they killed George at the end of the season and she left the show and I never watched another episode Mm -hmm. Uh, and he left under I think weird circumstance I I believe the actor is is gay and you know there was rumors of him just taking shit from other actors and Mm-hmm. I remember he, he, that he, he wasn't comfortable working there anymore, and it just but it felt like such an arbitrary end to his character. I mean, yeah, like I, they, my sister still watches Grey's Anatomy on, on like season sixteen 80, or whatever, eighty-two. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and she 
she said that she wished they would have killed off Alex rather than like ruin his character in such a way. I mean, like, uh, famously, the like British had a terrible Christmas the year Matthew, Matthew Crawley from Downton Abbey died simultaneously. Um, that the Christmas special for Doctor Who aired and Clara, the new companion, died, um, sort of, kind of, um, if you watch the show. So maybe not make really depressing Christmas specials <laughs> England. Yeah, I, it, with TV shows, one of the ones, and I, I don't, I still don't really know what happened behind the scenes, but I was watching Penny Dreadful on Showtime. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. And, and the last season just felt like, I don't know if it was canceled while they were filming or what, but they introduced this this subplot where the, the characters were in America, and then suddenly they got on a train and went back to England and everybody died without resolving anything about the America thing. At least it felt that way. I, I don't know if it was just they were given word of like, oh, you got an episode, wrap it up. Mm-hmm. That's certainly how it felt as a viewer. Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. It, it's a very strange. My version of my show. version of that is Quantum Leap, which is an older one. Which mm-hmm. like they 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 I think they were in the midst of filming it, and they were just like, "Oh, you're done. This is it." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and yeah. and the, it so it just ends on it ends on what clearly should have been a cliffhanger, but instead it's just got like a like it, it clearly should have been a season finale cliffhanger for uh, for the next season, but instead there's just sort of a title card that kind of that kind of comes over it and says, and he never came back home. The end. Yeah. There's there probably more examples of that. If we you put some time into thinking about it, because shows weren't planned. They were always kind of like, well, maybe you'll be renewed. Mm-hmm. Have a good summer. Um, and, you know, there, there wasn't a, a clear ending to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, soap is one that, um, yeah, that like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you talk about one that I'm still, that's one I'm still not really over. Uh, um, you know, I hadn't thought of that in years, but you're right. Yeah. This is a show that there's no way that Hannah or Josh has ever watched. <laughs> Talk yeah. about a generational gap from previous episode. Soap was a parody. It, it was a soap opera, but it was a parody of a, of it was a it was a sitcom soap opera parody of real soap operas. So it was just every ridiculous, cliched soap opera theme theme that you can ever think of was tossed into this show to the and, degree. Yeah. And just played up. Yeah. Played up, you know, turned the dial up to 10 or up to 11 or whatever. And, it, and it's it's but it was compelling almost accidentally. Like it was actually just really well written to where it ends on a cliffhanger. You know, the season finale is um, a character is uh, placed in front of a firing squad accidentally. You know, she, she doesn't belong there, but she's being executed. And they say, ready, aim, fire. And then you see the you see the guns battle, battle off and then, you know, shoot off. And then Mona freezes and then it's canceled it's canceled you never you never find out <laughs> like oh did she live nah, i don't know yeah and then and, and never resolve yeah you're right i forgot all about that thanks she, Mav. She, she did she did die you find out on an episode of her name's benson, not mona which of is, benson yeah which yeah, is, which a, is spin-off a spinoff that did way better than soap but soap was good yeah yeah it, yeah it really was um and you know, historically significant, Billy Crystal played the first overtly gay character on television. It had been hinted mm-hmm. at before, but as an ongoing character who was sympathetic as opposed to a cliche. I called her Mona, by the way. Her name was Jessica. It's yeah. same, same actress as from Who's the Boss? Um, Catherine yeah. Hellman. Yeah. Yeah. Really good show. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming neither of you have even heard of it. I've heard of it, but never seen it. 
Okay. No. <laughs> really good show. Worth watching. Just don't expect an ending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we've preemptively. Okay, okay I'm, this... I'm going to throw another TV show in okay. like that. Um, Carnival, which is on HBO. Mm. And two seasons. And if they had ended it where they should, it, it had a perfect ending. And then they gave the bumper teaser for the next season that never happened. And it, like, if you stop watching a good minute before the end of the episode, you're gold. Revolution, because, same way. Because, what's that? Revolution from NBC, the same way. There's they, yeah. they thought they thought they were gonna have another season, so they're just you know. And next, you know, so there's very much a. It's still not over. Here's you know yep. two two minutes at the end to set up the next season that doesn't happen. Yep. Yeah, I, I was thoroughly satisfied with the ending of Carnival, and then I watched the next minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, you were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say preemptively, we've decided we're not going to do this kind of thing because we're currently like watching Veronica Mars for the first time on Hulu. Oh, okay. Bye. That's what I've never Bye. watched and I want to. We we enjoy it, but it's it's at least for the first half of the first season, it's just relentlessly dark. Yeah. I mean, it's noir. Uh, I mean, it's noir. So you, but even for noir, it's, it's just like bad thing after bad thing happens to the characters. It kind of evens out a little bit. It becomes exciting. There's a big finale, you know, first season finale. Mm-hmm. Well, is, I, is, is riveting. It's funny you say that because they just brought Penny Dreadful back with new cast and a new setting. Uh, and I'm finding it's it... the commercials, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I watched the first episode and I couldn't get through the second one. I think it just, themes of it were just far, intent, far too intense for where my mindset is right now. Just a lot of Nazis and a lot of racism. And those are important themes to tackle right now. But I just... It was making me anxious to watch it. I, I don't know what it is about Veronica Mars that I can stand to watch it in quarantine, but I can't. But I heard that, so like, it had three seasons on UPN and CW, and then it got canceled. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we talked about this on the Kickstarter episode. Kristen Bell and Rob Thomas, the creator, uh, used a Kickstarter to raise money for a film. Mm-hmm. And then Hulu brought it back for a fourth season. Yes. I don't know what happens in the fourth season. I know that someone important dies and that Veronica relies less on like her friends and is kind of mean. So and like they're not going to bring it back for a fifth season. So like if you watch the fourth season, it ends on a cliffhanger and it's apparently more relentlessly dark than like the original show. And we have decided we're stopping at the movie. <laughs> the nice movie made for fans. Yeah, we're in the middle of the second season. It's fun. It's there are some jokes. The soundtrack is delightfully early two thousands. Although I she'll kickstart another say, movie. Come on. I have to say, I do have to say that um I didn't and this I guess is a different episode. I did not, and I don't think Josh did either pick up on the fact that there was supposed to be a love triangle uh between Veronica and two of the guys on the show because one of them and and Veronica lacks so like little chemistry. Yeah. Like it's he has zero <laughs> charisma and he's supposed to be like the main male character. Is he though? And, and i in the first season he is and they kind of add a, a second character halfway through who becomes like more important the second season. But uh, it's just like all the all the like the white male actors in that show for like at least the first season just all look alike <laughs> and none of them have a personality. One one does. I guess I, one has a personality. I found it very hard to tell them apart. <laughs> Uh, because they're all supposed to be these like you know, like dude bros, rich rich dude bros in California who live off their parents <laughs> and have sports cars. You know, I mean, like, to it's, be it's fair, hard. they're like, teenagers, so none of, them, none of them are sympathetic. They all look the same, and that's kind of the point of the first half of the first season. I still say that one of them looks different and is a little bit different, if only because he actually has a sense of humor. Mm. Perhaps it's a dark sense of humor, but you can tell him apart from the others. Yeah. Um, he, he has a very distinctive conch shell necklace. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I, 
<laughs> anyway, That's how I tell him apart. Uh, I make fun of it every time I get. Anyway, this is um, Scary, Scary Dude Bro early, early <laughs> Our bonus review of Veronica Mars seasons one through two point five. Um, but um, yeah, I I don't yeah I I guess I'm not watching Veronica Mars season four because I don't want to do another episode about how I'm upset about how things go um, and bad decisions creators make. She'll kickstart a Genius. movie. Come on, she'll kickstart a movie and, and finish it off. She's got but the. What fan. if she kill? What if they kill a character I care about? I don't want to. I want them alive in my mind, which I guess takes us to dumb uh, slash yeah. bad decisions by creators okay, who so, should feel bad. So here's where we um, get yeah here and here's what and this is the one I think everybody tunes in for to this episode for and I I, I think it's going to be weirdly contentious because before we go into them I um, now obviously it's not so much killing off because it was the last episode but I mean you've 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 felt you've given your feelings on like why the creator should feel bad with um like jamie and brianne from game game of thrones before and and certainly certainly a lot of our fans but just in on the internet in general the the reaction to the final season of game of thrones was not kind in general and certainly not for the finale right because it was bad it was not, no, see, and here's where it's it weird. was bad well you know, see i i i agree and here's where it's weird though I have because I have I have gone through and watched it twice now and I don't feel the need to do it a third time just because I wanted to see. Um, And I I, I didn't pay as much attention on the second watch as I did on the first. I just, you know, casually watched it. And my feelings on the final season of Game of Thrones, I think, are relatively in line with your feelings on Rise of Skywalker, which was, eh, I mean, I didn't love it. I, I, I get why I, ever, I get why it was bad. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah, this was but it just to where everybody else is like this ruined the entire series for me. It, it really didn't to me. I was just like, eh, this is yeah, I mean, Wait, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It didn't. I care about the series really. I like yeah. of all. I've only seen. I haven't seen the full series of Game of Thrones. I didn't want to watch it for reasons that you can listen sure. to on, on the, our. On you can't like like it episode. Um, it doesn't really matter. Um, I have watched the characters I care about, uh, which we know, and also like the occasional clip of Robert Baratheon because Josh finds it funny bobby b um uh he and and or or like scenes to explain memes to me so oh i I don't know i need to care about jamie and brand but i do now um also i've listened to the majority of the books i feel like now because josh had them on audiobook okay i'm over exaggerating the majority but um here's my thing i don't know why i cared so much but I think the reason why I find the ending deeply upsetting for Jamie and Brienne is not just because the creators were gross and like use words like divergent to describe women yeah. in their scripts. Um, it also like I'm, it's not just because they implied that if you're not a traditional woman, you can't have romance and also your sword play slash a job for both Arya and Brienne in different ways. Also, Brienne is a character who wants love in her life. So like, Grr. <laughs> Um, in, in place of expellatives. Um, like all that is true, but I believe like based on everything we watched up to that point, also like everything in the book, which their characters are way more fleshed out in the book, that ending does not make sense. There is no world where it makes narrative sense. I think I screamed, I screamed on the Game of Thrones episode or to Josh in the middle of the night, either one. This makes no narrative sense. Um, my family asked me for a year, um, how are you doing? And I would just tell them about how like it makes no sense for Brienne to join the Kingsguard because it's like 
execution that tore Jamie apart and it would make sense mm-hmm. for her to join it. And also, why does she even have a loyalty to Bran? It doesn't make sense. I'll stop yeah. now. But uh, yeah, because I, well, I'm not no, always. And no, I think it's perfect because I think that at least with you, you have you have rationalizations for you have literary rationalizations for why you didn't work like it as well as the they didn't do what I want for my favorite characters, which I think is what most people like. I think that's most people's honest problem, not just with Brienne, but like all, everybody who hates it. Oh, the right person didn't end up on the Iron Throne. Oh, how did Daenerys become a bad guy? Oh, oh, wah, wah, wah. And I think this goes into, you know, I, I want to go back and we talked about like on our Death of the Author episode, we've talked about on several of our fanfic episodes, you know, sort of uh, the idea of there's what you write in your head and it didn't match that. And like, I, so I don't disagree with you on your narratively. It was a really poor writing decision. Um, and so that, that, that was hence my this is just dumb kind of category. Like, why are you making why are you making stupid decisions? Like it, 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 there's no motivational reason for Jamie to have even left when he goes back, like ignoring everything else. Yeah. Why are you there? <laughs> like well, yeah, you're going I mean, to die. I, I feel like I, just, I didn't expect them to have a happy ending. I expected no. him to die in the middle of the long night. Or, sure. Yeah. Or yeah. It, it, or with, with a purpose, something he cared about other than, Oh, my sister's evil to me and she's going to die. But I'm going to pretend I'm going to rescue her knowing I'm going to fail. And then, you know, cause she even, you know, she wasn't going to leave. If he'd gone back there, he knew that there was no, it, it was a, it was a logically inconsistent thing. Having read the books, I, you know, I, I think the stuff with you, Rand's fate, it wasn't elaborated on the show, but that's in that throughout the books. Sure. I, I you know, I, I think. And I, if I they bother to put it, it in the book. If Martin never finishes the next eight books in the series, by the time he's 180, we might see that play out. Same way sure. with Daenerys, you know, mm-hmm. that, that turn in her character. That's, Makes perfect sense to that's me. That's bred into her from the beginning. You know, we, we hope for something better for her. I and the problem is, it. the problem but, is but it was I, a I good agree. television show. It's not as good as everybody pretended it was. Yeah. And therefore everybody, like a lot of what made Game of Thrones great to everybody was that it was this epic, unlike anything anybody had ever seen before. And we built it up more in our heads mm-hmm. than what actually was there on the page and when they ran out of Martin material to finish because right. it's not the, it's not their fault he didn't finish the fucking books yeah, that's right. Martin's fault that yeah. I mean um, and, and and I, Rice I, I did not sign up to, they did not sign up to finish that series they signed up to adapt the series yep. and then he and then you know and they had you know he had fucking seven years and yeah. he just didn't well, write anymore you know that's yeah. not that's not their fault um and and somehow expanded it from one more book to three more books that yeah. they'll never finish and, and but but i i i agree mm-hmm. so you with with Bran and 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 Daenerys, I, I that's that's part and parcel of the narrative i can buy that yeah. i'm with hannah when it comes to brienne made no goddamn yeah. sense yeah it didn't it didn't also also they bother to expand their writer's room to include like i don't know a woman what maybe they wouldn't Maybe they wouldn't have had, you know, heresy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's like, there's very few people yeah. who have written Game of Thrones scripts. Also, the one good episode of season eight was written by like Brian Cogman, which was still like, if it, it just, it's fine. Josh, Josh has like a Game of Thrones thing to say mm-hmm. that can transition us to something else. I have two things to say about Game of Thrones. The first, the most succinct meme I've seen is it's just pictures of archers lining up to fire to, to and the the leader set for like seasons one through seven says loose and then for season eight 
the commander says fire, mm-hmm. which just shows the lack of care mm-hmm. <laughs> in the script. Second of all, it's funnier. I, I recently started watching uh, Medici Masters of Florence on Netflix, okay. which has Richard Madden, uh, Rob Stark, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. as its lead actor, as Cosmo de' Medici. And they, they, I forget the other actor's name, but they cast. So there's, there's a scene where Cosmo de' Medici, Richard Madden, is meeting his, his bride-to-be. Uh, it's a trans, very transactional relationship, and he goes to meet his, his father-in-law. And they reveal the actor is the actor who played Walter Frey in Game of okay. Thrones. Because there's only seven <laughs> actors in all of Britain. Yes. Right. 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 They all, they all show up on he, Doctor Who, too. Yeah. And it's just it's just a hilarious bit of casting. And and they don't outright say, well, this wedding's going to happen. <laughs> I'm glad you could make it for the wedding. But it's, it's heavily implied that it's it's like a red wedding joke. That entire scene is <laughs> and Dustin Hoffman is just there doing scenery. It's great. And I, I that was I felt I let Game of Thrones go after seeing that. I felt like they they you know, they made fun of it. It was it was fine. Yeah. I, I can't let go. I've tried. Yeah, I've tried really, really hard. I, I do wanna I'm gonna link in the show notes an article um by Leslie Goodman. Um and it, it just talks about the the things that you know I I talked about briefly, but she has this concept of, you know, sort of fan discontinuity when um when something she talks about how the problem with um, ongoing narratives uh, is that, you know, we have, you know, fans have time to build up expectations in their heads and things might not match. And the example she uses is Harry Potter. She says, if I have one Harry Potter book, if I just read, if, if the series stops, begins and ends with Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone, depending on which company you're in, country you're in, um, then all there is of Harry, all there is of Hermione, all there is of Ron. Snape, any character, all there is is just what's in the bounds of that one book. You start on the first page, you end on the last page, and that is their lives, you know. But the second you introduce a second book in the series, now you have two books where things can contradict, and you can, you know, you've got time between when you read one and the other, and time between when the author wrote one and the other, and there can be narrative inconsistencies, and you can imagine a different direction in your head um, than where, than where you know, the author wanted to go where Rowling wanted to go. So by the time you get to seven books, this is just a, a multitude of infinite possibilities of where you can go anywhere. And your head canon is not necessarily going to match the canon that the author decides to follow. And I'm like, yeah, she's right. There are a lot of things that Rowling did that I didn't like, even in the books, which I think are better than the movies. There were there were decisions that she made that I thought were not great, the greatest. And then they said, now expand that out from Leslie says, Goodman says, expand that out from the um, from books until into TV shows and movies where you not only have an ongoing series of hundreds of, you know, tens, twenties, hundreds of episodes, and they're created by hundreds, thousands of different creators, each with their own agendas, each with their own ideas of where it's going, um, expanding over time. They don't know where it's going to go when they start to where, you know, to where they know when it's going to end and you end up with this chaos and it can almost never please anybody. So she says what ends up happening is you end up with what she calls fan disc fan discontinuity, which was the best term ever, because mm-hmm. what ends up happening is fans who are disappointed in something just will remove something from continuity in their own headcanon just because they hate it that much. You know, you're disagreeing with you know the, the author is dead and yet Jean you're Gray, still disagreeing Jean, with him. Yes. Jean, Jean Grey's been dead since 1979. <laughs> <laughs> And Game of Thrones got canceled after episode two of season eight. Um, 
way I tell. <laughs> also, uh, speaking of shows that got canceled, um, out in the middle of their runs, uh, Jane the Virgin got canceled in the middle of season three. <laughs> well, at least in our household, it did <laughs> because they they killed off um an important character and uh it I'm I'm actually like mostly over it now <laughs> like I wasn't exactly angry actually sad for days and just couldn't bear to watch it anymore you talked about that a little bit before but not yeah yet. but Josh also but not as sad as me also felt bad yeah we should probably what? start start wrapping this up I, yeah. I when it comes to, to comics I wanted to rant some about Avengers Disassembled but Mav's heard that rant yeah <laughs> well I, I had I just had my, my one for this we, I gave the I gave the the rant of where discontinuity happens. But um, as I said, I mostly don't do this with, with my media. Like I, I, you know, usually I go, eh, whatever, you know, I, they, they all roll off. The one prime example I have where I go the other way, um, where it is, it is the only time, cause I'm going to say something that I usually hate when people say about any other media, which is people say this ruined the whole show. It retroactively ruined everything that came above before it. And I always say, no, it didn't just, it, it just ignore that one. You don't. Okay. The one where I feel was wrong was the finale to how I met your mother. Yes, <laughs> it is it, for me. It is the worst finale in the history of television. I hated everything about it. Um, and and because I and I've watched it a couple times just to make sure. I mean, I've had a few years and I've gone back. And um, I like that last season. A lot of people don't like the last season. I like the last season. I think that is a wonderful show. Long as you stop on the next to last episode. If you just if you just stop with Barney and Robin's wedding and and then add the five minutes from the beginning of the next episode where Ted, you know, oh, um, and then I met your mother. She was the she uh, she played in the band at the wedding. Fine. It's a it, it's a perfect ending. After that, it's just one hour of rushing through their entire fucking relationship so that she can become a baby factory so that he can have children with Robin, which the entire fucking series had been about how they don't belong together. She's not actually the love of his life. And sometimes you have to let go in order to meet the real love of your life. It is a better show without that. She ends up with Barney. He ends up with the mother and it should be fine. But instead they just, they literally just recontextualize everything in this one hour of really shitty television. It's just awful. It's, it's so bad. <laughs> and that's the one. And, and, and I, my problem with it is, I mean, I have an easy solution. Just I just pretend it wasn't there. I, I discontinuity. I, I pretend the series ended one episode early and it's fine. But they had written themselves into this corner because they pre-filmed the final scene during the first season or second season because they wanted the kids to not age. And then they and then they wrote towards it. But they the show had evolved and it wasn't about that anymore. Like he didn't need to end up with Robin. That was stupid. I, <laughs> I dislike it. I dislike everything about it. It ruins the show. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my one that I can't get over. It's the one thing from all of my list where I'm like, everything else was just like, eh, well, I see how this is meaningful. This was the one thing that I came up with. Of, no, no, it's awful. Why would you do that? Why did no one say no? Why did no one like, why did no one say, wait a minute, have we just turned this woman into a vessel to birth children so that we can kill her immediately after? What the fuck? <laughs> it was just bad. It was just so awful. And I hated it. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I won't go into my my full Avengers disassembled rant, but it just it, it and and I have narrative reasons for why I think it didn't work, and 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 all kinds of those kind of things I could go into, but it just felt like you know, Brian Michael Bendis got the job of writing the Avengers, but he actually didn't want to write any Avengers. He had characters he wanted to write, so he sent, spent four issues shitting on the Avengers and destroying them, so then he could write about the characters he wanted to write. Uh, <laughs> And and it was successful. He so wanted Cap. The hell, huh? He wanted Captain America. Yeah, he wanted Cap, but but yeah, nobody it, else. It, it <laughs> was yeah. I just and I I I could go into far more detail on the reasons I think narratively it didn't work because I don't think he understands most of those characters. But uh, but like I say it was successful. So what do I know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, that, that's one that still makes me angry. I and I have a friend, woman who used to shop at the, the store who moved to Florida a while back. And we, I've stayed in touch with and. Uh, she has gone back and been. She she came to comics a little bit later. She big superhero fan, loves the Marvel universe. And like a year ago, she finally got around to reading Avengers Disassembled, and I got a text from her. She's like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> <laughs> like you heard me rant about it. She, you were right. <laughs> no. Anyway. Any others for you, Hannah, Josh? I'm I'm still getting. This is very basic, but I'm still getting over the New Girl finale. <sighs> Wait, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. It was just. I, I think there were some behind the scenes shenanigans where they like gave them a final six episodes just just to have a, just to have a finale, yeah, and but it ends in the most just bland way possible. Yeah, and, well, that's when there's a prank and they, they get in a moving van and leave, and that's yeah, that's, that's the one that I think was in my in my like I said, I want to split Hannah's thing into two categories where I had my extra category of just dumb. It's not like it. It's not like the final and it's not even just the final episode. It's like the last two or three episodes of New Girl where they're just it's not like they hurt my feelings or made me made me dislike other stuff that came before it. They're just dumb. <laughs> like it's, They played the final scene and I thought that Hannah told me, I said, is that it? She's like, yeah, there's no, there's that's the last yeah, episode. This really? Is that's stupid. how it ends. And it was just like, just, oh, and then we moved out because yeah. of a joke. And OK. And you're like, uh huh. Oh, but I'm, I'm getting over it. We're, we're watching, as you said, Veronica Mars and uh, Schmidt's actor, Max Greenfield, oh. is in Veronica Mars in the first season mm-hmm. as a kind yeah. of an early love interest. I never in the sheriff's office. I never picked up on that. I mean, I, I didn't watch all of Veronica Mars. But I watched it at the beginning. And yeah, that's him. It never occurred to me before just now. And it's really weird because he we were with how he becomes Schmidt. He gets his heart broken goes to LA <laughs> and becomes Schmidt. I had a just my just dumb one that I said that I hinted at the very beginning was and again, this is, this is one where I'm disagreeing with people where people are like, oh, this ruined the whole show. And I'm like, it didn't. It's just a dumb episode. Um, the final episode of Dexter. Yeah, it's stupid. I, <laughs> yeah, 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 it didn't ruin the show for me, but it was stupid. It's stupid. That's a show I liked a lot. And, but that was a stupid ending. Yeah, And well, that's why when you said, you know, what if you have an emotional attachment to it? It's like I was very invested in Dexter. Yeah. The last episode, actually, there's a lot of poor decisions in the last season, but especially that last episode, you're like, okay. Um, so, so for, I mean, without going into too much of it, it's this, it's this weird, dark psychodrama about a murder, um, who's also with the cops and he's trying to be. And then on the last episode, he just, you know, I think I'll become a lumberjack. Ian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. It, and that's how it ends. And you're like, what, what, why? I, I, I think they were going for a whole, whole, oh, and he's still out there doing this. Ooh. Nope. Um, didn't come across. He was, he was they, a lumberjack. Didn't come across. Yeah. He was just a lumberjack. It was dumb. <laughs> so just dumb. 
Yeah, I have a bunch that I disagree with people on that I think is a different episode. But like, I, you know, I think I've mentioned briefly before briefly that people hate the last episode of The Sopranos. I think it's brilliant. Um, uh, several people on the blog mentioned uh, uh, the the ending to Serenity, um, the Firefly movie, not the one that Hannah loves. Um, <laughs> Serenity is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> well, but the the Firefly Instant Serenity justice rides again. Yes, <laughs> I, I have to burn Josh to my cost. <laughs> I, I actually anyway, like the, yeah I like I like the Firefly movie Serenity I actually like I understand yeah, I why too. people don't I understand why people don't like that oh they killed off my darlings but you know sorry that's just it, it was fine um, yeah. and and then one of the greatest episodes of television to me which I think most people just don't get and one day I swear to God we're going to do a Tommy Westfall episode of this series of this pod- podcast but saying elsewhere ends brilliantly <laughs> and and like most people probably i i doubt most of our listeners even watch saying elsewhere saying elsewhere was a medical drama um like an er and on the last episode you just find out that the entire series had been a daydream in the mind of one minor one character has um an autistic grandson um who's like on four or five episodes of the series he's he's an extremely minor character it's just as a as a detail he has a grandson who's autistic and it turns out the entire series was just a daydream in the mind of this autistic child and there is no there is no saint allegis hospital none of those characters actually exist he had he was just the entire series took place as he was like you know staring at a snow globe and i just go wow that's awesome <laughs> so i like to be the same elsewhere well, nobody else does <laughs> I mean, if you want mine uh, that I think is was a silly decision, but people liked. Um, I think that killing off the entire crew of Rogue One was a mistake and didn't have to happen. And I a lot of fan fiction can come up with a way for at least some of the members to survive who were cool characters who didn't get enough screen time. Then mm-hmm. they could have done it, too. Um, like, I just... I think that I don't think that killing I think that part of the reason why a lot of people dislike Game of Thrones is because it was a very nihilistic ending where like no there was no love a couple people got crowned that was fine but a lot of people ended up in really crap positions mm-hmm. um and like I couldn't watch The Walking Dead anymore because there was no hope in the TV show which I think directly goes against the comic um and like even though like Rogue One ends on like hope, literally, like Leia saying hope. It just, just, just because people die doesn't mean that it's a great ending. It doesn't mean yeah. that it's more artistic than some people living mm-hmm. or like find a way to be happy. I mean, like, it's not like these people would have gone on to like live like super happy lives. They were in the middle of a war and they were in the darkest mm-hmm. part of the war. Like, there's a way to like, and I guess this is part of what I take issue with with Jamie too. Like, you sometimes like it's sometimes more interesting to have characters live and deal with their trauma and or like bad actions and seek atonement and like figure out like ways to live with themselves and other people than just like dying. Yeah, killing which I think a lot of killing off characters yeah. can just be a cop out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my rant. Um, I'm sorry that Josh has to like hear all my rants <laughs> twice because <laughs> slash a thousand. No, I enjoy them. <laughs> I think you'd have to. <laughs> that's not a quarantine answer at all. <laughs> Passes the time. So- <laughs> Am I just am I just your own private podcast? 
every day. <laughs> That's a great movie. My own private podcast. <laughs> a podcast for money and any. Oh, no, sorry. Tina Turner moment. <laughs> so we've so we resolved nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for someone to do that. I'm like, get us out of this. Yeah. Uh, I think we've resolved that we've been in isolation for too yeah. long, but we're going to keep doing it anyway because that's what we should be doing for public health. Yep. Yep. But I would be curious if any of our, you know, we mentioned a lot of movies and books. I'd be curious, you know, let us know if you've read any of them, you know, what you agree and disagree with. Like, seriously, like, go write us a comment because we're all trapped in quarantine. And I just really like to know. I, I just really want to pe- see people go, Hannah, you're crazy. Rogue One is brilliant or whatever. You know, <laughs> like, like, I, I mean, I kind of like Rogue One. I don't like I, I think that it becomes formulaic at the end. And so I, I don't love it. But, you know, and I'm I'm the one weird guy who hates all the Darth Vader and stuff in Rogue One. I think Rogue One's a better movie if you remove Darth Vader from it. So I, we disagree with stuff all the time with each other all the time on this show. If you've listened to any episodes, you can tell. But I get to talk to Hannah and Wayne and Josh. I, I'd I'd like to know what other people think. So, you know, leave us comments and let us know, you know. And also, I just want to know if anyone ever has seen Savannah, Savannah Smiles, because then you'll you'll realize that anybody who's seen Savannah Smiles will say, yes, that's right. It is brilliant and touching. Anyway, leave us a five we'll star you. review on iTunes. Helps yeah, with the algorithm, too. you know. Yeah, that too. Um, I, was, I wasn't even talking about it on iTunes. I, I meant just to comment on the blog because I want to know what people think about these these particular stuff but yes also leave us a five-star re- review on itunes um josh thanks for joining us thanks for having me. Josh. <laughs> josh anything you want to promote you never want to promote anything when you're on the show not today i'm very selfish <laughs> <laughs> palindrome hannah hi uh, you can find me on twitter at hannah lee rogers i'm still not tweeting though so you can read my old tweets <laughs> wayne um, I say same as always. Not nothing new. I'm been having fun with uh, what's keeping me sane is the occasional walk on a nice sunny day, and I've been taking pictures and posting them on my Instagram and kind of having fun with photography for the first time in my life. And uh, huh. and you know, considering I know Mav has spent a lot of time working on photography, I'm having fun. Yeah, I ne- <laughs> but, and I uh, never have time for it anymore. Which is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm getting some good feedback on it, but. Uh, but it's more than anything else. I'm just having fun doing it. So that, that's what my if Instagram is. Follow you on Instagram. Like. They can follow you at. Uh, I have no idea what my Instagram is. Tetrock 2012, I think. T E T R O C 2012. It's linked in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or on my blog at chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post calls for comments and talk about what we're going to be talking about next week. You can also leave us feedback on shows like this one or any other one. And if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, like Hannah said, leave us a five-star review. That boosts the algorithm. It helps us become more popular. And it means that we won't suddenly be canceled and have, like, a disappointing ending. I don't know how that would work because, like, you know, we're just not going to cancel ourselves. But, um, But it certainly does help, and we would appreciate it. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening. Thanks again, Josh, for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.
joy in the living, while the time is yours, and not fear the end. To deny this is to deny life. <laughs>